Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, no matter where you are in the world. And um, welcome to another episode of The Intuitive Customer with myself, Colin Shaw, and my colleague, um, Professor Ryan Hamilton uh, from Emory University. Uh, Hi, Colin. Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Um, everything well with you? Uh, everything is well with me. Thank you. You're back in uh, England at the moment or are you in, in uh, the U.S.? I'm in the U.S. at the moment, um, so I'm enjoying the sunshine and um, uh, over in the in in the U.S. So um, down the beach, trying to do, just do some fishing um, and contemplate life, the universe, and everything, which is great. All right, now you're just rubbing it in. Okay, let's let's get started. <laughs> yes, and how is how is sunny Atlanta? Um, not as sunny as Florida, but uh, no. Uh, decent yeah it's it's embarrassing how much my blood is thinned being in the south i complain about the cold now constantly i'm weak yeah. colin yes this, this is the surprising here even in the winter here um or even in the summer they talk about a cold front moving in <laughs> and i go it's you know cold is a relative term yes yes it's yes. not really cold how quickly um, so, we forget yeah no absolutely okay so today we are here to talk about uh, what really is customer loyalty? I think customer loyalty for me is one of those things that businesses have talked about forever, but actually they don't know what they're talking about, if I'm totally honest, um, um, because customer loyalty is much more than uh, I've worked with many organizations and customer loyalty normally means they buy everything from us. Um but that's, you know, it's far deeper than that. So we're going to look into uh, customer customer loyalty. So do you want to kick off, Ryan, with your thoughts about what customer loyalty really is? Sure. Yeah, no, this is this is a long time hobby horse of mine. Um, I yeah, I, I agree. I think that most firms mischaracterize uh, loyalty and what it is. Uh, a lot of firms treat loyalty in purely behavioral terms. So as you said, Colin, it's about uh, are they buying from us? Are they still buying from us? Are they buying a lot from us? Um, and that's a problem. Uh, loyalty is more of a relationship state than it is strictly behavioral. Now, it's it's true that if people are loyal, they will tend to buy from you frequently or, or regularly. Um, but it's not necessarily the case that people who buy regularly from you are loyal. So um, loyalty is different and it needs to be managed differently. Um, my, my biggest pet peeve is that a lot of what we call loyalty programs don't, in fact, engender loyalty and, in fact, may destroy loyalty in the process of getting people to buy more and often. So tell me more about that. So um, loyalty should be understood as um, a relationship. So um, in social psychology, they've uh, there are some researchers who have looked at, at different types of relationships that people have interpersonally, um, and then other researchers have extended that to the relationships people have with firms. So uh, one type of relationship um, would would be the type of relationship you have with close friends and and family, um, where your goal is not to kind of get the maximum value out of any inter 
exchange with with those people that you can. So if your brother asks your goal, (laughs) Colin, you aside, uh, (laughs) if your brother asks to borrow your car, you don't sit down and and set a rate schedule and figure out how much he's going to owe you and, and, you know, for the wear and tear, you know, you, you loan your brother your car and um, down the line, when you need a favor from your brother, then, you know, then you're, he's going to reciprocate. And so you have this kind of just exchange relationship where everybody benefits. And that's very different from a a more transactional relationship where, you know, uh, I'm going to pay you exactly what this thing is worth and not a penny more. um, And you're going to give me um, exactly what I asked for and no more than that. Now, both of these types of relationships exist to a greater or lesser extent among firms. Loyalty is really a sign that you value this firm more than just the transactions that you're engaged with, that you actually have some kind of feelings towards them and that, that you feel like there's more of a relationship there. That's important because loyalty is more resilient to shocks than yeah. strictly inertia um, or habitual behavior. Uh, if I move to a new location and I'm loyal to the brand, I'm going to seek out that brand. Uh, I'm going to go find that new grocery store. Uh, I'm going to continue buying the same brand. If my rea- um, purchases were just strictly inertia or habit, then when I'm in a new situation, well, everything's up in the air. I could choose to do something else entirely different. Um, so loyalty is very different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just building on some of those things, the way – you see, that's the professor's way of describing it. Now, now let me tell you the layman's way of describing it. Let's hear it. <laughs> um, so loyalty for me is, I always say that loyalty is an emotional attachment. If you think of the people you're loyal to, uh, as you rightly say, you know, your family, your friends, etc. If I was to say, I'll say to you, I've got this really great family. They're a lot cheaper to run than your existing family. Uh, do you fancy swapping? <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, actually, let's talk because my family is <laughs> very expensive. Um, yeah. But I take your uh, broader point. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, people don't because there's that attachment and you can your family and your friends can do things to you that you don't like, uh, but you still love them. You still are loyal to them. Um, or, so, or to take a, a branding example, um, I, I grew up in the Cleveland area, and so I am unfortunately a fan of the Cleveland Browns football team. Oh, yeah. Um, and if, if you don't follow football, the Browns are terrible and have been forever. Um, sure. This relationship has been nothing but pain and disappointment for me. And yet I'm still loyal. I that I still value that relationship i'm still a fan of the team i'll still watch them lose season after terrible season um and i value that my my relationship with that team is not based on the transactional value of whether they win or lose contrast that with the other things that i buy that i consume where it is very much about uh, you know if there's a better value somewhere else or if i can get more uh, for my dollar with another brand then i'll switch in a heartbeat yeah, and and for those just to um, sympathise with you, I'm a supporter of Luton Town Football Club, um, which are in the League Two of um, in the uh, English league. So they're like four four leagues 
um, down from Manchester United and Arsenal, etc. So I, I, I suffer the same pain, mate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think if you the the interesting thing and and when we wrote the Intuitive Customer book, um, when Ron and I wrote the book, the interesting thing is that what you start to realise is that loyalty is a function of memory. So here's the interesting thing. Um, if you if you didn't have a memory, then every experience you had would be new. Okay? And therefore, if it was new, every time you went to make a decision, you wouldn't be going, well, they provided a good experience last time or whatever else, so I'm going to go back there, um, because you wouldn't have a memory. So loyalty becomes a function of memory so the interesting bit for us then when we was writing the book was to go into um and maybe i'll ask ryan to just give a brief uh, explanation of this again piquet the what what daniel kahneman professor daniel kahneman um who's won the nobel prize for behavioral economics calls the peak end rule because that's effectively how a memory is is formed do you just want to briefly talk about that ryan sure yeah sure we can talk about that so um the peak end rule describes um what scientists would call a retrospective evaluation so what this means is um looking back on an experience how do you evaluate that experience as a whole so this is not memory in terms of, of what would be called episodic memory, that in other words, it's not about do you remember the specific elements of the experience. Um, it's not about how good is your memory. It's about how do you feel about that experience emotionally, um, evaluatively. How do you feel about that experience? Um, and that the, the idea, the peak end rule um, said that when they studied this. They found that um, amongst all of the individual evaluations that happen over the course of an experience, people primarily tend to remember and be influenced by the peak. So whatever the, the best part was of a good experience or whatever the low part was of a bad experience. Uh, and then the end, how it felt when things were, were closing out, when that, that experiment, experience was over. That accounted for most of the variance uh, in people's evaluations. So... Um, that the upshot of that, the, the implication is that if you want to manage people's experience, you should really be focusing on those two points in time, making the best even better or the worst less bad, and then focusing on the end part of that experience so that it closes out well, because that'll affect what they remember, whether it's positive or negative. The Intuitive Customer is being brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Your frontline teams should be trained on how they can practically influence customer decision using some of the psychological techniques discussed in these podcasts. To understand Beyond Philosophy's unique approach to the training of frontline teams, just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. I think that becomes a really important, a really important point. And when you're into now some practicalities of, you know, journey mapping. So two two key things that this raises for me, which is, you know, what emotions should you be evoking to create loyalty? OK, yeah, um, that that's a key question, you know, and, and, and it may be different for one organization than it is to another. 
and where are those memories created in your journey and we've done a different we've done a whole podcast on peak end rule um that you may want to uh, check out um but that becomes key but it this this then becomes it's like a million miles away from a from a loyalty card isn't it yeah yeah and, and in so, fact there's some there's some evidence that explicit rewards like loyalty programs can destroy some of the implicit motivations, including loyalty that people have. So uh, let me give you an example. There was this um, famous study done by some behavioral economists in uh, Israel where they um, they looked at the policies of um, some child care centers, so um, some daycare centers. Uh, and they the policy was that you were not supposed to pick your kid up late. Right. Uh, and most parents were pretty good at it. Um, but every once in a while, they had some stragglers, people who would make the staff stay late because they were late picking up their kids. So they they tried implementing a penalty so that uh, if you were late picking up your kids, and I forget what the details were, but, you know, more than 10 minutes, you had to pay a $2 fine or something like that. Um, what they found was when they levied a penalty against people for being late, the number of people who were late picking up their kids spiked rather dramatically. Way more people were late picking up their kids when they charged a small fine than when they charged nothing at all. Is that because they didn't like their kids? That, that was well. You were now. <laughs> then they always didn't like their kids. Um, no, nobody likes their kids. Um, but now they could put a price tag on it. Right. So um, uh, before there was this kind of social norm. There was this expectation. There was this emotional value to being on time. You felt like yeah. it was important. You valued it. And the nature of the relationship that you had with the daycare center was this more kind of familial, collegial relationship type where it's like, well, you know, if if I do this, I'm wronging you, right? I'm, I'm inconveniencing you. That's bad. I don't want to feel bad. I, you know, I value this relationship. So I was on time to pick up my kids. But now you're going to levy a penalty against me. And it was it was a small fine. So now I figure, well, I'm willing to pay a couple extra bucks to be late this time. Um, yeah. That becomes much more transactional. Um, so it, loyalty programs can work in the same way. Whereas before I shopped with you because I really liked what it was you were offering and I felt like we had a good relationship. Yeah. It's possible for loyalty programs to now shift me into this more transactional direction. Well, like now I know I'm only shopping here because – um, I want that, you know, 10th frozen yogurt for free after I buy the other nine at full price. And so it becomes more transactional. You may actually be destroying loyalty with your loyalty program. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and I think the, the, you know, the key part here is that people, and I know you mentioned this at the beginning, but, you know, people mistake inertia for loyalty. They mistake the, the the pain of changing, and banks is a classic example, uh, yeah. for for customers being loyal. Um, and if someone comes along and 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 well, in fact, as you um, uh, you've started to to see uh, where people are, um, you know, I think it's the latest one is the I've noticed is the cable companies are offering departments that will um, do the changes for you. Um, so you don't have to go through that sort of pain of of change. Mm -hmm. um, I tell you what the interesting one is. In fact, we experienced this the other day, and this is going a little bit off off piece, but I think it was in um, 
I think I was actually in, in one of the, the pharmacy stores here. Um, and they turned around to us and said, oh, we're going to give you a thousand points. OK, uh, because yeah. of some challenge that we had with them or whatever. It turns out that a thousand points was worth a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. I, maybe this is the subject of another podcast. But I thought, why do you say a thousand points? Yeah. Obviously, because a thousand points sounds a lot. But yeah. you get so upset when you were super when happy. For that yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I walked out there. I've got a thousand free points. <laughs> if I'd have walked out there going, I've got a dollar, I would have been slightly unhappy. Um, but there you That's go. Three points, honey. Let's go buy a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, good. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, now one one caveat I will put on all of this. Yeah. You know, n- usually I think a default is to assume that loyalty should be our goal uh, as a firm because usually that's the case. Um, but I, I don't want, I don't want anybody listening to this to think that, um, you know, what are, I would argue euphemistically called loyalty programs are a bad idea because they don't actually inspire loyalty. Uh, there are, there's room in the marketplace for purely transactional firms to be successful. I mean, my example is Delta. Uh, I live in Atlanta, big Delta hub. So I fly Delta, uh, almost exclusively and, um, I participate in their SkyMiles program and I get a lot of benefits out of that. Now, I don't think that I'm particularly loyal to Delta emotionally based strictly on the rewards program. Like if, yep. if United suddenly could give me similar levels of uh, convenience and similar benefits, I'm not sure that I wouldn't switch over and, and, you know, use their, uh, uh, benefits program instead. Uh, so it's not that I necessarily have this strong emotional relationship with with the Delta brand. At the same time, I get a lot of transactional value out of it, and that's great. And so that's going to keep me buying from them from kind of a purely utilitarian standpoint. So I would not recommend that Delta like eliminate their SkyMiles program because it's um, it's not engendering true loyalty, at least not necessarily, not on the face of it. Um, so that, that, that's the only caveat that I would I would emphasize. There yeah. are there's a time and place for transactional benefits, right? There are brands that we like because we get a good value out of them for the price. Um, that said, if loyalty is your goal, you need to think more broadly about it than just a punch card. We're so pleased that you're listening to this episode of The Intuitive Customer. As a listener, we want to offer you a free download of Colin's ebook, Unlocking the Hidden Customer Experience. Take advantage of this free offer being made available only to listeners of this podcast. Do it now. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast and follow the link for the free book. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. I think the only bit that I would disagree with, not disagree with you on, but um, put a put a different spin, which is I think the the problem is the use of the word loyalty. Yeah, because I think that that inside the organization makes people think that it is commanding loyalty. Uh, so I agree. And oh, I don't disagree with that at all. I think that's exactly the point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's so. Exactly I agree that you should have, you know, the, those types of cards and the benefits that they give and all the rest of it. 
but recognize that's part of your effectively part of your rational physical offering yes it's not actually creating loyal customers because you're right i'm not sure if i would go to united but if another uh, if another (laughs) airline um uh, started to offer similar benefits then yeah you'd probably end up jumping um but um it's just the i have to say it drives me around the bend it's the misuse of the word loyalty and misuse of the concept loyalty um that that annoys me so much in 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 business today it's like people don't you know it's like a a different meaning um when you're in an organization well i mean i i wonder if at some level it was done as as kind of a branding effort like oh we want people to be loyal so we're going to call this loyalty but then at some point people within the organization started believing it um yes they they started drinking the Kool-Aid and thinking that, oh, no, this is this is, in fact, loyalty when it's not. Yeah, no, I agree. Good. OK, so practically, again, go back to the practical bits. What would you do? Um, you know, for, for me, I wouldn't call them loyalty cards. I wouldn't I, I would be very clear that loyalty is about an emotional attachment. Um, uh, I would also um, be making sure and looking at the data and checking and doing research around you know, uh, is it inertia? Is it just habits? You know, or is it true loyalty? Uh, I think you'd be really surprised at the numbers that you ended up getting if you could break uh, your customers down into uh, those groups. Um, and, and again, you can't tell the difference just from behavioral data. You can't look just at the sales numbers um, you know, and, and see, oh, this person's loyal, this person's not. Because uh, you can't distinguish inertia from loyalty looking just at that data. You, you actually need to go out and conduct some primary research. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, so that's a good point for us to to end, I think. Um, so thanks very much for um, joining us today. Um, we hope that you're enjoying the intuitive customers. If you are, uh, then please tell others, write a review. That would really help us as we try to uh, build up the uh, the audience. Uh, and if you've got any suggestions on uh, what we you'd like us to cover, then uh, please um, just drop us a line. Go to beyondphilosophy.com, um, fill out the contact us form and uh, drop some suggestions in of what you'd like us to cover. So um, without further ado, thank you very much for your time and um, see you on the next uh, podcast. Thanks, everybody. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.